0: listening to The Retirement Remix Show with financial advisors and hosts Chip Munn, that's me, and John Tate of Signature Wealth Group. Get ready for a bite-sized dose of timely and actionable financial planning and retirement tips alongside remixed retirement stories from real people just like you. Listen in now to be inspired, find direction, and build your own retirement remix. John
1: Tate, what's up, man? Chip Munn, it is another Friday. Happy Friday to you, sir.
0: Never had a sad Friday, so it's always good to be here, man. Why start now? John, the summer's winding down, and we're starting to get into that back-to-school vibe around my house, man. How about you?
1: Yeah, Kristen talked for the first time the other day about how she needs to go out and buy new school clothes for Turner. And we're talking about he's got one more summer camp left and all this. We're having those conversations right there. For you, it's maybe a little different. Our Turner is eight and your children are a little older, so maybe it's a little more aggressive in your household.
0: There's very few things aggressive, unless you're talking about my (laughs) my youngest two boys versus one another. We We don't have a whole lot of aggression here. We sleep a lot in the summertime and just kind of take it easy. But I did read an article this week. And so maybe folks want to be aware that there may be some shortages of school supplies just with supply chain stuff. And maybe more folks going back to school, my oldest that's still in high school is going to be a senior this year. And most of last year, he chose to be virtual. So when, when they went virtual, he stayed that way. And this will be the first time in quite some time that he's going back to school. And I, I think there must be other folks who are dealing with similar situations and starting to go out and purchase stuff. So be aware that that's a thing.
1: When you went back to school, was there always like one school supply that you were super excited about? Mine was getting a very cool, not so cool now, but it seemed
0: cool at the time, a trapper keeper. I was a trapper keeper guy. We're in the same generation. (laughs) I, I, most definitely that and the LL Bean book bag, my mom got us. It was one of those things that she would let us pick out a new color of LL Bean book bag every year. And so, yeah, that was a big deal at my house.
1: There always seemed to be those things that you had to have that was so very important. So anyway, if you got it, it felt kind of like Christmas when you went back to school a little bit. And then if not, maybe you had a sad face for a couple of weeks until you realized it didn't really matter all that much and went on with your life.
0: Yeah. And you always admire those parents who got out early in the summer and were thinking about their kids' trapper keeper game, you know, because (laughs) my mom was a teacher and she had lots of kids to worry about. And so... Again, not that I'm struggling. I'm not mentally disturbed over my Trapper Keeper selection, but you're always impressed with those kids who got just the right thing. I don't know what the thing is. These days, all my guys have been different as far as what they're into. And I guess anymore, it's more about the phone or some tech thing than it is some of those more manual things that we used to be interested in.
1: I totally agree with that.
0: But, you know, today
1: we're going to talk a little bit about education. We're going to talk a little bit about back to school and what we think parents and students might be thinking about if they're thinking about what happens after high school, what happens, how you pay for it, the choices you might make, and some of those things. I mean, you know, both of us decided to go to a four-year school. How did that decision come about for you, Chip?
0: At my house, it was never really an option. Or if it was, the other option was going to work, and as an 18-year-old, that wasn't something for me that I was looking to do. And so, quick story, I went off, I was going to play football at Catawba College in Salisbury, and very early on, got hurt, had shoulder surgery, and wasn't able to play my freshman year. I was recovering, and a few weeks into the season, it dawned on me, I didn't really enjoy Being in Salisbury, North Carolina, no disrespect to Salisbury, but I didn't know anybody there. So I had a buddy who was on the team at Catawba college and Lee Williams, if you're listening, this is on you, bro. He was on the team, recruited me to come and play at Catawba with him. And the summer before I went to Catawba, he dropped out. So here I am going to Salisbury, didn't really like it. And so... One night, I remember from a payphone when those were a thing. It's like a movie, man. Rain coming down. Here I am in my high school letterman jacket at a payphone, calling my mom and dad, telling them I want to come home. I don't like Salisbury. I don't think I want to play football anymore because I'm hurt. At the time, my girlfriend, who is my boy's mom, was at Clemson and forlorn, I call my parents, and my mom says, you can't come home. (laughs) Can't come home. Wait till the end of the semester. My dad says, oh, so you can come home, but the meal application on the bar when you get here, that'll be for you. You'll need to turn that in tomorrow morning because we either go to school or to work in this house. So for me, staying in college, it was an expectation. There were no other options in my house. It was expected you would grow up. And when high school ended, college started. And we didn't really have the conversation back then about two-year versus four-year and trade schools, some of those things. It was just expected that you were going to go. How about for you?
1: You know, it was about the same. And my junior year and senior year were filled with writing pretty much as many scholarship applications as I could find because I was going to go to college. You know, that was already decided and we just needed to figure out a way to help pay for it. So that was almost a job in and of itself. And then the decision on which school to go to, you know, I made a very, very smart decision. Both my parents went to Duke. Both my younger brothers went to NC State, and I went to Chapel Hill. I don't know that I could have gotten into Duke. We may never know because I never sent in the application much to my parents' chagrin. But I decided to send the only college application that I sent out to UNC Chapel Hill Because that was where my girlfriend at the time was going. That was the sole reason I made that decision. So, just if we're recapping all the smart decisions that I made in my life and why I made those decisions, that is right there in the top five, probably.
0: Yeah, I have to think that for a lot of young people, the boyfriend or girlfriend is there, ranks in the top five reasons for most. So, John, before we jump into the meat of our discussion, how did your parents feel? as Duke grads with you going to Carolina?
1: There were some silent dinners around the fact that I never actually sent in the Duke application. I think if I had done that and applied and not gotten in, I think that would have helped my case in that, well, at least you tried kind of thing. But because I never actually sent it in, I think there was always that feeling of, well, you could have gone to Duke, you know, unanswered questions. Uh, that's how that went but you know uh, around basketball season it always made things lively around the house football season sometimes yes sometimes no but life's interesting
0: yeah same here so my dad and my granddad went to the University of South Carolina and I ended up at Clemson and so for years well for the entire time I was there and then I graduated and then my brother went to Clemson But my dad, like after he did all of the stages of grief, part of his bargaining was that he would never acknowledge Clemson as a university. So when he would write the checks to pay tuition, he just wrote Clemson and it was a Gamecock check. So that was his subtle act of defiance was that that he would allow and pay for me to go but he was not gonna participate. We didn't do parents weekends. (laughs) My mom would've come. She went to Winthrop, but my dad was not having that. And we went through the Spurrier years at the University of South Carolina with my dad. And he thoroughly enjoyed that with my brother and me. He passed away a couple of years ago, not before he got to see Clemson win a national championship. So we had a good time. And in fact, for our clients, I've got a video coming out for our client email coming up with my Clemson Jersey and my Gamecock baseball cap. So <laughs> it particularly made baseball season pretty loathsome there for a while because the Gamecocks <laughs> were really good, won a national championship. and right. right. But sports aside and family rivalries aside, deciding what to do for education after high school can be tough, especially now with the cost of it and the options that are available, John, it can get a little bit overwhelming, I think, for young people and for parents. Because again, when we talk about the financial element of it, uh, college isn't inexpensive these days. And so what are some of the things when you think about folks who are beginning the process or their child or grandchild is a junior or senior in high school what are some of the things that you feel like begins the process of starting to try to figure out that decision it really needs to start with the
1: student we both had a conversation just now about how it was just expected that we do that and that's not uncommon i think one out of every three students feels that way that they are expected to go no matter what and It's sometimes good because it can sometimes push people to do things that they might not do themselves. And then today we have to ask ourselves, for what good, for what purpose? I mean, if the student really just doesn't care for school, the act of sitting and studying, being stuck in a classroom instead of potentially being outside or doing things with their hands or whatever it is, is it fair to them to be expected to go and almost be forced to go? Because These days, if you look at the amount of student debt that is out there today, it outnumbers the amount of debt for auto loans. It exceeds the amount of debt out there for credit card debt that people have. I mean, it's about $1.6 or $1.7 trillion owed by students across the United States. So these days, because of cost of college has gone up significantly, it's not necessarily just the expectation that's going to carry you through. Because at the end of it, you need to have something, whether it be a new skill, something you can use, something you're excited about, something you can be engaged in, something that you can show somebody else that you really want to do this, because you almost have to get out and get a good job to be able to pay off the debt that you accrued to gain those skills. So college isn't about going out there and finding yourself anymore in some respects, unless finding yourself is in some way shape or form making yourself better taking yourself to the kind of that next level in order to take the next step into self-sufficiency independence and be able to take on that responsibility so in my mind it starts with the student answering some basic questions on drive ambition purpose and trying to figure out what the next steps are to take i mean does that foot with what you're thinking
0: Yeah, I think ultimately it's the first decision of the rest of your life, right? I mean, most of us, you have to get through high school. I mean, they kind of make you go and, and do those things for the most part. But when you get to the end of that, you start to look at college. This is the first decision in the rest of your life as far as career planning, as far as to the extent that you can even, we've talked about this before. My formal training from university is in elementary education, so just because you go and get a degree in something, even then you may not stay in that career for your entire life. And so I think that for me, John, it's the beginning of starting to choose your direction. You have to ask yourself kind of that weighing out the pros and cons of the choice that you're going to make and and I would think that taking the next step into further education, you know, the pros are going to be things like in a lot of areas, it's a basis of success and it's a way that you can demonstrate to employers the ability to endure a long process towards a goal. I mean, I think that that does show things. Another thing you mentioned earlier that you need to leave with a skill or something that you're going to take with you. One of the biggest things I think in getting along in life and I've encouraged my kids and I know our partner, Scott Mitchell, his daughter is at Wake. And one of the things that we've talked to them a lot about is developing your network and connections. I mean, I still have friends who we reach out to one another and help one another from our time in Clemson, whether that's information or, introductions to other people in the business world, I think that makes a lot of sense that it's not just the skills, it's also the people that you'll meet. You know, my mom used to joke that in choosing where you go to school, you're also in a lot of cases, you're choosing the pool from which you might meet that special somebody. And so choose your pool wisely, I think was kind of always her thought on that. And going to college, or this direction, can open up some internships, entry-level positions. The Citadel in South Carolina is one of those schools that you think about having a really tight network and, and really working on taking graduates and, and plugging them in. And statistically speaking, people who graduate from a four-year university, the numbers show that they increase their earning potential on average, and we can talk more about that, but that's some of it. What are some of the cons that you can think of, John? Well, in your mind, I think
1: you know it, but just to say it out loud, I mean, it's time consuming. You know, you're going to take either two years or four years in some cases, or, or if you go to graduate school afterwards, six to eight to 10 years, depending on what focus you choose after undergrad, but it's a chunk of your life that you may or may not get back depending on what you get out of it. You know, when I was at school, I chose to be an English major and everybody's response to that was like, oh, well, that's great. What are you going to do with that? And I think in my mind, it was, you know, I liked the writing part of it. I liked the research part of it. I liked talking and being in front of people, giving presentations, those kinds of things that went along with it. And I think a lot of the skills you would learn in that field are transferable to many, many different careers afterwards. So starting with something that's general that you can then, if you need more time to figure out what it is that you want to do, you can do that later. But, you know, setting aside a portion of your life to go off to school or to spend your time doing that instead of focusing on other things, it needs to be understood that you're going to give this up in exchange for something else. Another con is that there are some very good fields out there where You don't necessarily need to go to a four-year or two-year school. You can go with a high school diploma and get some credentialing and start right away. It might take three or six or nine months to get the credentials that you need to start that position. And so, you know, it might not be required. And the last thing is, if you're going to school for something that you enjoy and it's just the luck of the draw that potentially maybe that field isn't hiring professionals as much when you graduate, it doesn't guarantee you a job in the field that you chose to study about or to learn about or to gain a skill in. And so sometimes graduates will come out into the real world, so to speak, without a way to earn income reliably. And so they might have to, at that point, make another decision to go towards the money, wherever that is, and maybe not end up doing something that they find enjoyment doing. But like you said, you have the ability to earn more money. I think the numbers prove that out. You know, somebody with a college degree will earn on average $26,000 more a year, maybe than someone without. And so if you look at the amount of debt it requires to take on that expense in order to earn that extra amount, depending on what you're going to do, that's the question to ask is, is it worth that? And then the other thing that you have to look at is that, and I think this is the Brookings Institution, and there have been other studies, but they show that people that go to college and that have the education to get better jobs end up having healthier eating habits. They have a lower risk of cancer, lower risk of heart disease, things like that. And some of that is the jobs that they go out and get these days give them better access to healthcare insurance than other jobs. And so maybe that's all part of it. And so there's so many different things, different pros, different cons that you have to keep in mind when you're thinking about this. You can see why it's not just a, maybe a split second decision like it is for some folks.
0: Yeah. And I think that you can't underestimate the hard work that goes in either way. You can go and get all the credentials you want to. If you're lazy, you can have all the advanced degrees and be a physician, or a lawyer, or whatever it is that takes the longest amount to go to school. And if you're lazy, sooner or later, that's going to catch up to you. And I have friends who would tell you, and we'll talk some in a minute about alternatives, kind of what some options are after high school. But I have plenty of friends who could tell you how much money folks make doing jobs that you wouldn't expect. And so, again, what we're talking about is some averages, but regardless you can't underestimate people willing to put in the work in any of these kinds of fields. So John, when we look at somebody again, for our listeners, maybe it's a kid or grandkid. One of the things that I did with Carson. So Carson is a senior in college. Now, I think a lot of boys halfway through high school, you're just not sure how things are going to work out. You know, 16 years old, it could go either way. And one of the things that he and I did at that point is John, I thought, well, I help people plan for their future for a living. That's what I do. How can I? It's like the cobbler's kids with no shoes. So at 16, I took him out to dinner, just the two of us, and we did kind of a back of the napkin signature life plan for him. Just having that conversation to look, man, what do you think you want to do? Cause we accept you don't know. What do you think you want to do with your? next stage. And for him, it was to go to Clemson. And then we had to have conversations about what grades are required to be able to, and what work needs It's very similar to retirement planning in that point A to point B and how are we going to get there? So I think that's a valuable exercise for people with kids or grandkids. I would honestly, I think I would encourage grandparents to have these conversations because your grandkids may be more comfortable talking to you than mom and dad about some of these things, but talking about the alternatives. So John, one of the things that is an alternative, so post high school, one of the things that has become an alternative seems more popular in the last, I don't know, five years or so is the gap year. What do you know about that? And what are some of your thoughts?
1: When I graduated from high school, it it wasn't something that was very common, but you know, the ones that I've seen do it successfully will go and in between The last year of high school and the first year of whatever they want to do next, whether it's a trade school or associate's degree or four year college, they will go and they will intern either in several different areas or one area just to get a sense of is this something I think I want to do this? I think I want to major in this? I think I want to go down this path. They go and they get real world experience in a company or in a setting doing some of the things they think they would like to do to help them make that decision of which college to go to, which path to pursue, and how much time to put in it. And just to see if it's something that is as engaging in real life as they think it is in their head. Because as you know, sometimes reality is different from perception. And so that is what I've seen folks do. Others, they look at high school, they look at the work they've done, they look at the stress that maybe it put on their life and they'll do something different. Maybe they'll go travel and the quintessential backpacking through Europe, staying in hostels, you know, things like that, learning in a real world setting potentially. Some of them will go volunteer, some of them will learn a new skill or try something completely different just to see what they think about something that they've never learned anything about before. And so there's a lot of different options, but like I said, it's gaining that real world experience and taking that time to find themselves without necessarily finding themselves while paying for college tuition?
0: I think that with a lot of things, it all depends on what your intentionality and what you go into it expecting to get out of it. So I think that we've all seen lots of opportunities where taking a pause for a little while can help you make a better decision. I mean, we all know young people who've gone to university in the first year, they just kind of mess around and they're doing all that figuring out that we're talking about. And either they flunk out or they get really bad grades and they come back or they transfer schools and lose all the credits. And so there are a lot of reasons that potentially taking that pause could be helpful. I think the biggest thing when I look at, as if I were having a talk with one of my guys is What do you think that you're going to get out of this? And what are your intentions going in? Because I don't know many parents who are looking to have their young person in perhaps the prime of their life, just take a year off with no plan. I just don't think that that's necessarily the ideal. In fact, I made some notes, John, while you were talking, there are a lot of skills that people could learn that then going back a year later to four-year, two-year college, whatever, trade school that could really make the next four years or three years or two years more productive for having done the extra work. And so I think that that's the, you know, again, at that age, frankly, you don't necessarily have to make a ton of money because most of them don't necessarily spend a whole lot of money. So just being self-sustaining is not particularly difficult if you're younger. And so I think that it's an interesting idea. I think that for me, the biggest thing is, I think you want to go into it with a plan. I would say the same thing. I think that a gap year is not, to veer off topic just a touch, is also a good idea for somebody who is deciding on retiring early or who is displaced for one reason or another or takes a package. I have encouraged clients to take that gap year approach and apply it to later in your career to say, all right, I'm going to take some time to explore some new things, to build some new skills, and then see where I want to go. So I think it's an interesting option, relatively new. One that's not new, John, is the community college, the technical school, kind of that two-year associate's degree. So what what are some of the things that you see as pros for going that round? It's interesting your point
1: on taking that year. It reminds me of the author of the book, The Black Swan, Nassim Taleb. And one of the points he makes in that book is that his goal in doing what he does was to make enough money so that, I think he said, one year out of every three, he could basically go and take a sabbatical and do nothing but read, relax, sit on the beach, whatever it is that he liked to do, one out of every three years, just so that he could learn about something new or do something different and kind of refresh himself. And then if he still wanted to continue to do what he was doing, he would go back to it. And so far, he's always gone back to it. But I think he said in the book that you never know, and you don't know until you take some time to really think about it. But other than a gap year, there are other options like You can get an associate's degree. I know here in Brunswick County, for Brunswick County residents, the county commissioners have set aside money in a fund where any Brunswick County resident who wants to go to Brunswick Community College can go there tuition free. And so, you know, you might look at some local community colleges that would give you a chance to maybe live at home, not borrow as much money and go and get some schooling and then try and figure out what comes next. And the important part about that is to just to make sure that the community college you go to has the ability to transfer those credits, like you mentioned earlier, to a larger school, to potentially a four-year college. If you find something at the community college that you enjoy doing, take it to that next step and potentially surround yourselves with folks that want to do the same things you do because that pool of people that you meet there can be beneficial to you later. But there's always the option, and there are very good options at the community college level to get that start and take that next step. The other ones that they offer, and being on the Leland Economic Development Committee, we've actually toured some of these facilities where the trade school will offer something. It's not a traditional classroom. I mean, I don't want to say it's a warehouse, but there are different buildings where they offer welding, you can learn contractor skills, electrician, plumber, mechanic. And then in the kind of new age scenario, there's the things that you could learn about graphic design, web development, all those things that you and I both use in our business all the time. And so there are other ways to learn more about something that you could then apply in the real world and make good money.
0: Yeah. And I think that you made a good point About the associate's degree in that there are, in most cases, at least here in the Carolinas, you can get an associate's degree for almost free. I mean, if you back out your time, and obviously it takes time and effort, but as far as financially, and it appears to me, John, at least here locally, you're starting to see a lot of alignment between two-year schools and local four-year universities where there's almost like a, a path that you can take. To be understand, it's like a lot of these administrations kind of understand the cost. And so they're starting to kind of fit together, maybe some of those more general education requirements into the first two years. And I see a lot of people taking that path to be mindful of the cost of education and going through a, again, a technical school or an associate's degree program into a four year degree. And a lot of them have created pretty formal paths of how that can Work. I think the other thing here in Florence, our local Florence Darlington Technical College has an area out there called the Southeastern Institute of Manufacturing Technology. And you talk about warehouse. I, re- I remember going into the facilities out there. I think one of them is automotive. One of them, they early on had 3D printing and some of those kinds of tool and die type equipment for people and being able to get that hands-on training of being able to use that stuff is, I think, incredibly important. And I think that in both North and South Carolina, they've both done a really good job of developing out that portion of things. Folks I know who are in the trades, however you want to define those, I know a lot of them who make a lot of money I've said often a couple of guys that I went to high school with went through Florence Darlington Technical College, one in tool and die, and the other in nursing. Both of them went on to do kind of traveling versions of theirs, making six figures in their late 20s, early 30s, doing incredibly well through the two-year route. I know plenty of business owners who've gone through that, ended up owning a transmission shop or an HVAC company or something like that, that they went and acquired those skills and have done incredibly well. It's just really taking a step back maybe from where our parents were and evaluating now all the options of getting from point A to point B. I think that in a lot of cases at trade school these days, I mean, if you ask somebody about looking for a plumber, a technician of any sort, an electrician, There's plenty of need and there's plenty of money. So I think that evaluating where you think you want to be is really important. And then the last thing, John, that I've seen a lot of young people get into is starting their own business. And not all of them are TikTok influencers. I mean, landscaping and all kinds of things where folks just want to go to work and make some money. And they've got aspirations and they don't mind putting in the sweat equity to go out and start building it from day one.
1: Looking back, I'm not sure this would have been if I had chosen this route. I'm not sure I would have been successful, to be honest with you. I had a lot to learn coming out of high school, but there are those folks that can do that. And I look at something my brother did. He started a landscaping company while he was at NC State and started doing that to give himself some extra money, bought equipment and, you know, did all these things while he was at school and ended up some kind of landscaping degree. And then As soon as he finished at NC State, he went out and got a job and started his own company landscaping here in Brunswick County. And so some people can do that. Again, I don't know that I would have been able to do that right out of college, but it is certainly a pathway that some just kind of, you talk to them about it and they're just like, I knew that's what I wanted to do. So I went and did it kind of thing. So if you know, you know, and who's to take that away from you, you know, the things that I can see people that do this, what they have in common. The ability to save, the ability to spend in a prudent manner, the ability to know what they want to spend money on, or at least the ones that are successful at it. And, you know, they're not afraid to get out there and fail as long as they know that they just have to get back up and try again and again and again until they figure out what works. There's a lot of trial and error in it, but there is some success. And when you create something that is not only worth something to you, meaning that it creates money for you to live on, but it's also worth something to your customers and then worth something to someone else if and when you ever want to sell that business and start something new or do something different. And we had a whole podcast series just about that. So if you're interested in that part of this conversation, you can go back and listen to those, but it's definitely an option, especially when interest rates are low, especially when people have money in their pockets from stimulus or whatever, I I would be surprised if we didn't see more people get these ideas and go this route in the next five years or so. But I don't know how you feel about that. I may just be grabbing out of thin air here.
0: But it's interesting, right? There are just so many ways to skin the cat. We have a good friend, Zach, who works with us that you know, I was always impressed with his resume when Zach came to work with us. But on top of that, and I think that this is applicable, Zach did it after college, you know, working during college and then took a year after college. But I think it's equally applicable perhaps here where he graduated from college and for the... First year didn't go the career route. He started his own business, did some consulting for a couple of different companies. And I think you could do this again as a 19 year old if you're so inclined. And again, if you're professional enough, I mean, you, you have to be able to pull it off. And Zach, we're talking about, was a little bit older, but he took it and used it as an opportunity to test some careers and to make some money and to get paid for something that he could do, put in the effort in two or three different places, and then use that to decide what he wanted to do next. And so I think there's a hybrid maybe to all of these that really all we're talking about here today, John, is all the different options. And so my encouragement for folks is if you're a young person, this is for you. If you're not and you have a young person in your life is to take a look at all the choices and then figure out where you think you want to go. Because again, I don't think, John, if you had told me at 18 or 19 that I'd be here at 45, I had no idea. I've told you before, I didn't know what a drug rep was when I went to college. And so, I mean, there are careers out there that we don't have any idea, but where you think you want to go And then, again, whether it's evaluating the financial side of it with your financial advisor as part of your plan or really just trying to figure out where you want to go and looking at these is all part of the puzzle. The last thing I'll say, John, is they don't have to fit into a four- or five-year time frame. We know plenty of people who've done one and then another and then another. So, I mean, you could go gap year to associates, to four year, or you could do associates to gap year to four year, or you could, I mean, there, there are a thousand different ways to do it a lot like everything in our world. And so hopefully we've given folks a wide variety of of options and ideas just to start the conversation.
1: Yeah. And we talked about maybe offline about some of the listeners to our podcast, and we both decided that our mothers were probably listeners of the podcast. Mom, if you're listening, you'll know what I'm talking about. But my mother wrote a, a card to my son Turner. And in that card, she had a list of maybe 15 adult jobs. Would you like to do these jobs, do you think, when you grew up? And landscaper, check mark yes. Construction worker, check mark yes. Financial planner, check mark no. I mean, you know, things like that. He absolutely has no interest in doing what I do. But I think back to how I looked at what my dad did, who was a financial planner. When I was graduating high school and in my mind, I had a different career path for myself as well. And so I think the point of my story is that there are a lot of different ways that you can get to the same end. And I think the same end we all want is to live comfortably. I know you like to live comfortably, Chip. You've said that a couple of times on the show. I mean, we want to be able to have the freedom to do what we want to do. We want to live comfortably. We want to have a healthy life. And be happy. And so, whatever path you choose to take to get to the happy place at the end, use them all. There's no saying that just one is right, but having some time with yourself to kind of figure out what you might want to do or what paths you might want to take, that's the important part. If there's a takeaway from all this, I think.
0: Yeah. And John, we went a little long today, but hopefully, we've given folks just some food for thought. And in our next couple of episodes, we're going to dive into paying for some of these things and really getting into some of the nuts and bolts. But I really feel like today we've laid out a lot of options. And I think to your point, ultimately, I think the best thing for us to do in any situation is the next right thing. And I think that what we've laid out today is there are no right answers. There are a lot of answers and how you want to put them together is up to you. And that's part of the journey. But the good thing is... That allows you to customize something that works for you, for your student, and put together the best possible path forward, hopefully, that doesn't leave you encumbered with tons and tons of debt. So, John, I enjoyed it, man. Thanks for putting it all together, and thank you for being a English major, because you do a great job with the outlines for these, and I have no doubt that that comes from your wonderful training at the University of North Carolina. As I've said before, I'm always silently judging your grammar, even if I don't tell you. Well, I appreciate that. Well, we'll (laughs) see y'all next week. Be good. Here we have it, another great episode. If you'd like to continue the conversation, here are four ways that we can help. First, complete the Retirement Success Scorecard to discover whether or not you're on track to a successful retirement on your terms. You can find this at signaturewealth.com scorecard. Second, get a complimentary copy of my book, The Retirement Remix. Whether you're interested in real life retirement stories and inspiration from others like you, or you want to learn more about Medicare and Social Security, it's all in there. Go to the retirementremix.com to grab your copy. Third, listen in on biweekly office hours with our team. We host live virtual office hours to share new investment and planning information and answer your money, markets, and retirement questions. Find the details to join us at SignatureWealth.com slash office hours. And fourth, schedule a complimentary strategy call with one of our advisors to make sure you're on track toward your ideal retirement. Go to SignatureWealth.com and select the Signature Wealth office closest to you. We'll be back here next week for more on the Retirement Remix. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode.